Hello, and welcome to Not If I Reboot You First, the podcast that takes our favorite properties and reboots them before Hollywood has the chance to. It's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction. I'm Lindsay, and I use she/her pronouns. I'm Tanner, they, them, and this week, Marvel. Yeah, yeah, we're doing another superhero thing. We all oh. have them. Yeah, yeah. Who I needs decided them? to. <laughs> huh? They're just like us. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I decided to just, you know, bite the bullet and finally do it. We are going to be doing an X-Men live-action TV series because that is the best way to tell their stories, honestly. Yeah. And, you know, they almost did that with The Gifted, but then they were like, what if we didn't? Yeah, so <laughs> we are going to be changing a lot of stuff. I, I mostly just outlined, like, what story arcs I wanted to do. And I wanted to start at the beginning with, like, the original team plus Charles Xavier. In and ancient Warham. Egypt, there is a kid named Ensabanur. <laughs> He's not even the oldest one. That's Celine. Oh, that's right. <laughs> she took that crown. <laughs> they have an odd place in Marvel history. Yeah. Let me yeah. ask you this. Are you putting your X-Men TV show within the MCU, or is it going to be its own thing? It might have to be its own thing, or Good. it's like, using the whole, now we got a multiverse, it's just like, they had their own universe. Stay stay in your corner where your story makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because honestly, even within the comic books, they don't really interact with that many non- anyway. The, yeah, th that makes sense. They have a big enough cast. Well, and here's the thing, because the comics have the same problem. Where the X-Men are demonized for being people with superpowers, but all the other people with superpowers who aren't mutants are heroes. And it's like, Wolverine could have the exact same powers, but if he just, if he showed up and said he was an Avenger, everyone would love him. And he is technically a member of the Avengers. Yeah, but like, so if I'm saying Wolverine showed up and was like, yes, I'm part of the Canadian Super Soldier Program, actually, okay, he wouldn't sound like, like, yeah, I'm part of the Canadian Super Soldier Program. They put metal claws in me, but I was born a normal human. Everyone would be like, that's wonderful. We love you so much, Wolverine. And then on the flip side, if Steve Rogers was like, I was born with super strength because of the X gene. They were like, boo, you're not a real American. You're just a metaphor for the civil rights movement sometimes. Yeah. It's weird. And it uh, it was all born because, like, apparently Stanley and Jack Kirby were kind of having a hard time coming up with backstories for these powers. So they're like, yeah, Fuck it, they're born with it. <laughs> Maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's the X gene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, we don't have to explain that they were like next to their father's insane invention and got irradiated. So now they have this gene have these powers <laughs> except 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 like in the 60s they ended up recruiting a bunch of people who did become mutants later in life so they yeah. still had to invent origin stories for people and it's like yeah i, I sniffed a potion that that was like brewed from <laughs> mutant pheromones and now i have the power to change my face beast gets two origin stories <laughs> yeah oh mr sinister and making a pact with apocalypse um so yeah, the general idea is fairly simple. It's just going to be a superhero soap opera, because they are a very dramatic group. Yeah. And I was thinking that we just start at the beginning, where like Xavier is founding Xavier's school for gifted youngsters, and his first class is going to consist of Cyclops, Jean Grey, Beast, Angel, and Iceman. So this is essentially a reboot of X-Men First Class, just truer to the text. Yeah, yeah. Now... I've been debating on like when to set this because I would like to set this in the six in like the sixties and go into the seventies and eighties because of the whole generational saga thing that I would like to do and what Chris Claremont, like the real genius behind a lot of the really good storylines, wanted to do. He wanted Jean Grey to stay dead. So I don't know. Do you think I should set it like starting in the sixties or maybe move it move it up to the nineties? I think start it in the seventies. Okay. Because if you put it in the 60s, there's going to be some... I mean, kids, there's been civil rights movements going on like for decades. But yeah. I think if you put it right in the heat of the uh, civil rights movement, it might cause some connections that we don't necessarily want to put too yeah. much weight on. Yeah. Because like, the ex the mutants can be a metaphor for civil rights. They can be a metaphor for queer rights. They weren't mm. intended to be that, but the writers jumped on that when they noticed the connection. Yeah. 
And the queer stuff works a lot better uh, because it's like the stuff, weird stuff happening to you at puberty. Yeah, that's usually when you start figuring some stuff out. But also, we never got superpowers. Give us our gay superpowers, damn it. Yes. Um, but yeah, I think it would make sense if it was predominantly set in the 70s, but you could easily do flashbacks to the past several decades because, like, Charles and Eric, their whole thing is it, like, entrenched in their past together. together They're better together? exes. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, we're going to be exploring things that were happening in the 60s and the 50s and the 40s. Yeah. Yeah, because I do want to keep Eric's connection to being a Holocaust survivor and all that. Not that he is a good guy. He needs flaws. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he's a controlling bastard. Maybe he's one of those I know what's good for you types, which doesn't always translate that well. The other thing is that if you said in the 70s, it's easier for you to both take your time, but also bring them in as soon as you need to introduce the 70s members of the X-Men. The, yeah. the, their their multinational team, the Nightcrawler, Wolverine, Banshee, Storm, Sunfire, yeah. Colossus, and we don't talk about Thunderbird. Yeah. I wonder if there is a way to salvage Thunderbird. <laughs> I I think he has a brother with the same powers who showed up later and was like, yeah, I'm also Thunderbird. <laughs> okay. Because like, that would be a good, you know, launch pad for a young First Nations actor, so. Oh, there was actually... In um, Days of Future Path, Boo Boo Stewart played, I think his name was Warpath. Okay. So you could just bring him in as, like, we we know that this guy is Thunderbird. Or, oh, actually, no, better idea. Bring in Forge, because Forge is First Nations. Yeah. There we go. Solve a problem. Yay. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, like, I was thinking plot-wise, like, definitely draw from the original uh, storylines, especially the Chris Claremont ones, because, like, he seemed to have been the real brains behind, you know, a lot of the really good stuff. Yeah, he was definitely the driver behind their heyday. Yeah, so, like, the original X-Men, like, they were still fairly, like, uh, villain of the week, and we could probably start off the series like that, like, you know, learning what their powers are all are, how they're working, what uh, Charles is trying to do with having a school for these kids, because he's probably thinking, like, Oh, yeah, there's going to be, like, the kid with the pyrotechnic powers, and um, they might accidentally start a fire that they can't control. (laughs) And then in walks the kid with the pyrotechnic powers, and he's an asshole. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, like, it's you want to create an accepting, welcoming environment for these kids, but also, like, learn how to, like, you know, you got (laughs) looking over at Rogue and being like, you can accidentally put someone in a coma just by touching them. Yeah. We need to work on that one. <laughs> Though she doesn't join until later. Um. So yeah, like, probably the first, I would say, half season is just pure villain of the week, starting to figure out powers. But I also think I want to plant something very early on about Jean. And that is her connection to the Phoenix Force. So... In her backstory, when she was a little kid, she was playing with her friend Annie, and Annie got hit by a car. And Jean held her while she was dying, and, like, her powers kind of activated, and, yeah, she felt someone die. On a psychic level. And that caught the attention of the Phoenix Force. So, I'm thinking maybe in a bit of a prologue, it doesn't have to be, like, the first episode. It could just be, like, a gene-focused episode, and we have that as, like, the opening scene or, like, a prologue to the rest of the episode is, like, that happens, and then out in outer space, I don't know, some glowing eyes in the darkness happens. Okay. Yeah. That would be, that would be, like, the mid-season finale. Yeah. Because we'd have to, would, oh, no, you know, you know what this is? This is Once Upon a Time. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. This is or lost, whichever. It's 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 doing the once upon a time lost arrow thing of doing the flashbacks of people's backstories every episode. Yeah, because also there's uh, Scott's backstory of being held in an orphanage run by Mister Sinister. <laughs> also, the the other part of his backstory where his powers activated because he and his brother were launched out of a plane because it was being abducted by the Shi'ar. Yeah, that too! A race of alien bad people! <laughs> His dad became a space pirate. <laughs> and then the queen of the Shi'ar the, the, saw she she came back to finish the job, and she saw Charles, and she went, Oh yeah, break me off a piece of that. I mean, 
we should be yucking people's yums, so. <laughs> I'm not going to kink shame the bird for being into people. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, Patrick Stewart. That's true. Not a bad looking guy. And for, and for that matter, James McAvoy. Yeah. Oh, James McAvoy is straight up pretty. Who would be, who would be our Charles in this? <sighs> Someone who can do bald well. Yeah. Christopher Eccleston? <laughs> you know, that's actually, I was thinking that. Yeah. Yeah, I think you could do it. <laughs> But okay, so that raises the question, would Christopher Eccleston be willing to bang the Shi'ar Queen? Maybe. <laughs> Parasite-in-chief in her idiot hat. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> that's, that's a later season's problem. Yeah. We can't start with aliens. No, no, we gotta do... Basically, the big bad's Magneto. So that's the thing, actually. Like, it's. I feel like instead of it being Monster of the Week, it's like, like Student of the Week. Yeah, and I guess. Whether they end up joining Charles or Eric is kind of like. Depends on the episode. I mean, so yeah. If, we, if Toad shows up, we're going to assume that Toad is going to be siding with Magneto. Yeah. <laughs> and for that matter, it, me it means that we can have. We, we can show that Magneto was like, he has basically also started his own school, except it's for the people who want to cause chaos. And that means that some people can join and then have a change of heart later, like Rogue. Yeah. This is basically X-Men Evolution crossed with Cobra Kai. Yeah. And then we're just going to throw in another monkey wrench, and that is uh, Emma Frost eventually starts her own school, so. Uh, yeah, Emma Frost would definitely be season two. Season two is, a, well, because Hellfire Club is what played into Jean becoming the Phoenix anyway. Well, they noticed uh, her powers, um... <laughs> Basically, I was watching a whole bunch of videos about the entire Phoenix Saga because do you know how expensive buying those trade paperbacks are? Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I want to know. Oh, to get the entire thing, it's going to cost me, uh, maybe not a full paycheck, but it gets me thinking after rent. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not worth it. Just, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to just read a Wikipedia summary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, like, what I was thinking is, like, we have the Magneto stuff, and then we eventually get seasons two to maybe four. You would have our versions of storylines, like the Sentinel Program, The Brood, Trial of Magneto, and God Loves, Man Kills. Which one was the last one? That's not the one with the exploding poke wafers, is it? I don't think so. <laughs> can, we ad can we adapt that plotline? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Magneto is investigating the murder of two mutant children who were killed by henchmen of uh, the Reverend William Stryker. Stryker, who murdered his wife and newborn son after his son, a deformed mutant child, was born, seeks wholesale extermination of mutant kind while presenting himself to the public as a fire and brimstone preacher, spreading a message claiming that mutants are an abomination in the eyes of God. So I think what we could do instead of like the fire and brimstone, like basically Witchfinder General attack, is instead being like the concern troll. I'm just concerned that the means aren't going to be able to control their powers and are a danger to public safety. A, ve a very love the sin or hate the sin. Yeah. And that's, that's why we, at our church, we believe that we can cure y'all for the low price of $1,000. <laughs> a paycheck that Jesus himself bestowed upon me. <laughs> also buy this uh, holy water here. It'll cure everything. <laughs> Oh, he's got to have a wife that looks like Tammy Faye Baker. <laughs> oh, but wasn't Tammy Faye... I didn't watch the movie. Wasn't she a decent person-ish? Yeah, she was. You know, just got caught up in all that. It's just, you know, the look. So who does So who does the not Tammy Faye end up being? Because she's got to end up being someone. Sage? I don't know who Sage is. She's one of the members of the Hellfire Club. Um, okay. Her thing is, like, technopathy. Because I was going to say, what if it just is Emma Frost? Yeah, this is one of her undercover identities. Or maybe she's going through a phase. I don't know. Hey, total tangent, is Emma Frost at all related to Deacon Frost? I don't think so. I mean, either way, hey, there's a connection you can draw in for your fanfic. I know, I know. <laughs> this is all a sacred plug for my fanfiction. <laughs> 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 shill, 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 shill. <laughs> oh, I just made a post on Twitter where I am like, shameless self-promo, -pro here you go. Um, so yeah, like, 
we could do that and then we can kind of like close out Magneto for a little while so that we can focus more on like the Sentinels that lead into uh, the Dark Phoenix. Okay. Because Magneto doesn't actually have a lot to do with the Dark Phoenix saga. Well, okay, but didn't, didn't a bunch of Magneto's followers have to help the X-Men during that because it was very much an enemy mine situation? Yes, but that doesn't mean that Magneto has to be directly involved. That's true. They were just using his space-based asteroid. That is true. <laughs> that he called Asteroid M. Yep, because Marvel is not known for creativity when it comes to names. It's fine. It's fine. Hey, it's fine. <laughs> Look, they're, they're totally not addicted to alliterative names. So, yeah, probably around the time that we have the whole, like, rise of the anti-movement, uh, we get, like, the Sentinel program, so we can have Bolivar Task, then, like, he dies or something. I wonder if we can get Peter Dinklage back to play him. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah. Okay, so how about, how about this? So season one, it's just Mag- well, no, not- it's Magneto, and we've got, like, Stryker in the background, but we yeah. never, like, pointed him and say, this guy is also gonna be a big deal. He's just- He's set dressing, essentially. Yeah. He's a televangelist. He sometimes appears on the TV. That's about it. Yeah. And then the season is about, like, the Brotherhood coming together, kind of. Yeah. And the original X-Men coming together. Mm-hmm. And then the the season finale could be, like, the revelation of the the two children dying. And so yeah. then season two, it, like, at, at least the start of it is God Loves Man Kills. Yes. And it could even... We could put Magneto in his plastic prison... By the mid-season finale. Yeah. And that's what, at this point, Jason Wingard would have shown up, and he's yes. going to be mastermind. It's like, I, now I'm taking command of the, all you shitty teens. Because I'm also a shitty teen. Ooh, what if, what if mastermind was, is like Gene's ex? <laughs> Ooh. Just to add another layer of skeeviness on top of everything else. Yes. <laughs> Between him and Scott, and do we add in Wolverine also having a crush on her? So okay, so was that in the comics or was that invented by the cartoon? I think that was kind of hinted at at the comics, and then it was expanded in the cartoons, and then it became canon in the comics because now Gene Scott and Logan live on the moon together, and they are (laughs) what? (laughs) I love comics. I know. They're hanging out on the moon, and originally it was like Scott and Logan are sharing Gene, but then it's revealed that Scott and Logan are also for real. <laughs> yes, yes, space thruple. <laughs> Space thruple on the moon! (laughs) You okay? Yes! (laughs) God, I fucking love comics! (laughs) (laughs) That being said... Um, Logan is an immortal grubby daddy man. Yeah. And if we are taking a page out of X-Men Evolution, X-Men Evolution was specifically like, hey, yeah, Logan's a teacher. Gene is a teen. Yeah. We're not even going to joke about that. Yeah, that's true. Um, But then, so that that means that we can throw Jason in as the bad boy. Yes. Except he really is bad. He's he's bad news. And his, his whole thing can be like, Gene, you and me are meant for each other because we have similar psychic powers. And Gene is like, but I feel like this is a bad idea. Actually, Gene, it's a good idea. You're right, it's a good idea. Yeah, and he likes to create these illusions for her that, you know what, maybe she's totally into the, you know, new gothic romance novels with the women with the fine hair running from castles because we're setting this in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> she's a fan of dark shadows. Does Magneto have a castle? I feel like he had a castle at some point. He should have a castle anyway. Yeah, if not. <laughs> I don't know, he bought one from Doctor Doom. <laughs> so, yeah. We have that, I don't know, the start of the Dark Phoenix Saga is probably around season, what, four-ish? Um, yeah. Yeah. 
So, because if, if season two, if, like, yeah, if, if we have all of season two being God Loves, Man Kills, and that's where we can introduce the Sentinels, and then season three is Hellfire Club. Yeah. And then, yeah, so season four is Dark Phoenix. Like, the whole Dark Phoenix saga is season four. Yeah. And then, I think it pretty much plays out mostly how it went down in the comics. And I think we should keep Jean dead. Yeah. Like, at most, maybe she can show up as, like, a psychic imprint or some kind of spirit. Yeah. In, I don't know, in, like, an hour of need. Well, like, you can't kill the Phoenix Force, so maybe her consciousness just gets eventually absorbed into the Phoenix Force. And in the comics, it... This is retconned later, but it seems like the Phoenix Force has never experienced emotions like love and grief and anger like really felt those and while it was inhabiting gene it got to experience those it has a very strong connection to scott so yeah maybe gene shows up to help her friends and her ex-boyfriend when they need it yeah and then okay okay so hang on so actually another dozen because if we want if we want emma to end up being scott's second love she does need to be a teen or how about Madeline Pryor? Oh, right. Oh, yes, let's clone cloning. I forgot all about cloning. <laughs> you have a clone. <laughs> and of course, Lindsay, you're the number one Madeline Pryor stan. <laughs> because nobody has, like, gone to the point where Madeline Pryor shows up. They get to the Dark Phoenix saga. Shit happens. Maybe Jean survives. Or the series fucking ends or reboots right at that point because it turns out you can't stuff the entire phoenix saga into one movie <laughs> cough cough <laughs> they tried that twice that movie was a fucking slog dark yeah. phoenix have you did you actually ever watch dark phoenix yes it was terrible and you know what uh you could have replaced vuck and the aliens with the hellfire club yeah like why wasn't this just the hellfire club jessica chastain would have been a great emma frost could they not get january jones back Christ, it's hard to kill a mutant, especially mutant like Emma Frost. So anyway, yeah, for those of you who don't know, I have inadvertently become Madeline Pryor's biggest fucking stan. <laughs> <laughs> All hail the Goblin Queen. <laughs> <laughs> so basically what happens after the Dark Phoenix saga is uh, Scott is big sad, but goes to work for his uh, grandparents company. I say that Scott could be, like, a young guy. He's, like, in university. Like, he's starting to move into adulthood by this point. And that's where he could meet Madeline. And, like, she's a cargo pilot. She's, you know, strong, independent woman in the late 70s, early 80s. She's got great red hair. She looks a lot like Jean. To a creepy degree, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) But she's her own woman. And when Scott's like, oh, yeah, you remind me of my dead ex. Are you the reincarnation of my dead ex-girlfriend? She (laughs) fucking decks him. (laughs) And I'm like, yes, do that. Oh, you know what? Another thing that... Okay, I guess Scott is that dumb. But it it could also be that, like, she sees pictures of Scott and Jean, and she thinks they're, like... Or she sees Scott has pictures of Jean, and she thinks they're pictures of her, and she freaks out and thinks he's a stalker. Yeah. That, too. So they do get off on the wrong foot, but maybe they have one of those romances, like in Anastasia, where they eventually learn to like each other. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then... And then... Mr. Fucking Sinister happens. Mr. Sinister slinks out of his shadows (laughs) in all his British asshole glory. He's played by Matt Smith, I've decided. Yes. (laughs) Imagine him and all that pale white foundation with the big red diamond coming out of his forehead. Yeah. Yep. Just walks out. It's, there's one thing I love more than cloning. It's eugenics. And I fucking <laughs> love cloning. <laughs> At this point, is the Mr. Sinister we're talking to the original one? Or is this just like a... This is like a Ship of Argos situation. <laughs> <laughs> he has been known to kill his clones because they were unfashionable. <laughs> oh, honey. This clone is so last season. <laughs> <laughs> he walks in like fucking Miranda Price. 
God, oh, oh, what, what an astonishing meta gag it would be if he walks out played by David Tennant and then another clone walks out and is played by Matt Smith and the Matt Smith clone is like, oh no, that's a shitty clone. Your, look, your face looks all wrong. I'm going to vaporize you. Yes. <laughs> Just get as many Doctor Who alumni into this as possible. Now, now question. I know, I'm pretty sure Madeline Pryor had a kid with Scott at some point. Yeah, she had Nate. Oh, she had Nate, because I wasn't sure if she had Nate or if she had Rachel. She had Nate, a.k.a. Cable. Right. But we could also make her Rachel's mom, too. Yeah, I was going to say, what if twins? Yes. And then it can, I don't know if it was intention, but Sinister could even specifically say, yeah, I cloned her to in order to use your powerful DNA, Scott. Your powerful jizz. <laughs> to, cre- to create a new vessel for the Phoenix Force. Yep. Her psychic abilities and your ability to shoot laser beams from another di- <laughs> dimension. <laughs> they have the dumbest powers. <laughs> I don't I don't know why they changed it. I think it was like to make him like less or more interesting or something. Like, I oh, know it's not heat vision, it's concussive rays that are being channeled through his eyes from a dimension of pure force. AKA punches from the punch dimension. <laughs> <laughs> the nerds at Marvel sometimes overthink things. Yes, but also never stop. It's hilarious. <laughs> yes! <laughs> and you know what? Just in the event that the clones aren't enough, season five could also be when more aliens start showing up. Yes. Because that can be definitely the Shi'ar. Oh, yeah. And potentially... The Shi'ar show up because they're pissed at Earth for launching the Phoenix Force at them, and Earth is like, it's the Fe- it's the force of nature, we had no hand in this uh, period. Yeah. Or actually, you know what? It would actually, no. It would make more sense if the Shi'ar show up in Season 4. Yeah. Because we're already like, hey, here's an alien space being, might as well introduce some other aliens while we're at it. Yeah, like, when they were escaping from the M asteroid... From, uh, who was the guy who took over from Boulevard? Uh, Stephen Lang. So they wind up involved with the Shi'ar and they somehow go looking. Uh, Stephen Lang wants to find the Macron crystal, which houses a dimension with a city in it, kind of like Carcosa, which is where the Phoenix Force is. And that's like Gene's first actual encounter with the Phoenix Force after also like taking the hit from the fucking cosmic rays. I know, it's weird. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Yeah, I don't know, maybe we could separate like the Steve Lang stuff out a little bit from the Shi'ar stuff, but like they're still in space for a bit? Uh-huh. Well, does... What if Stephen Lang tries to take over as the Brotherhood leader in the fifth season? Uh, he was part of the anti-mutant stuff. Like, he was oh, anti-mutant the, stuff, right, okay. Yeah, the Sentinel program. Well, okay, so then that this could play into the aliens showing up in season five. Because yeah. so we've already established the Shi'ar, and the Shi- by the end of season four, we can say, "Oh, the Shi'ar are the X Men's allies now." Because you yeah. know, Lilandra and Charles Blank. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Magneto is back as well to be <laughs> Charles's bitter ex. Does not get along with Lilandra. <laughs> so many si- snide comments. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Anyway, so yeah, so season five, that can be where we have the brood show up. Yes. And since Cable's gonna, like, Cable's gonna be on the table soon, we could also have the phalanx show up. Mm-hmm. You know, ooh, you know what we could even do? We could do a time skip. Yes. Because at this point, the teens, the teens were already played by 20-year-olds at the beginning. Now the yeah. 25-year-olds played by 25-year-olds. <laughs> yeah. But this can be when the new mutants show up. Yes. For real this time. For real. Disregard the movie, it never happened. <laughs> I think in an alternate timeline, the studios just are like, you know what? We don't need that money. And it could be, like, it would be the the original X-Men and the some remnants of the Hellfire Club, at the very yep. least Emma, probably some other people who are good or claim to be good, but probably have their own machinations. Yeah. But they can be leading the New Mutants while all this Madeline Pryor stuff has happening, also the Brood is happening, also the Phalanx land, and that's how we can get Warlock and then Doug, and then they smush together to become Douglock, the <laughs> the robot twink who can speak any language. Yes. 
Yeah, so I think we could probably spread that out over two seasons. Yeah, probably Warlock shows up in like the second half of that season, then season six is the Phalanx en masse, and then the mid-season finale of season six is Cable showing up from the future. Yeah. And then, I don't know, should Excalibur be like a spin-off series? Yeah, yeah, I think Excalibur yeah. is like, we, we do the, the backdoor pilot in season three. Yeah, because I can see Kitty becoming an instant fan favorite. If if the the Hellfire Club is a secret high society organization, they obviously have roots in England. Yes. Is Emma Frost British or does she just look that way? Uh, she's from Massachusetts. I think she's supposed to be a Boston Brahmin. You know, oh, okay. she parks a car in Harvard Yard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised nobody has portrayed her as having like that really patrician Kennedy accent. <laughs> I'm checking Wikipedia category, actresses from Boston. There's a lot and there's no pictures, so let me check the Google image search. And she doesn't have to be a blonde in real life. There is such thing as bleach and hair dye. And wigs. The most common result I'm getting is Mindy Kaling, but I don't think that's the proper casting. No. Eliza Dushku. Ooh. Blonde Eliza Dushku, yeah. She Oh, she would slay as Emma Frost. Yes. She's from Boston, Massachusetts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She could do the proper accent and just sound so better than you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then instead of instead of um her having a relationship with Scott, we can allude to her like having previously had a romance with Scott's dad. Yes. And they were around the same age, but now time-space dilation and weirdness, and now Scott's dad is dating a cat girl. <laughs> He's like, what can I say? Cat girl! <laughs> cat girl's on the moon! <laughs> we did it, kids! <laughs> uh, yeah. And that's about where my X-Men knowledge kind of ends, but probably about this point we get, like, Rogue and Mystique coming in. Oh, uh, Mystique and Rogue would have been there from day one. Yeah. I think. I think Rogue would have joined the Brotherhood in the first season and then switched sides in, like, the second or third. Yeah. And Mystique's always seems to have her own stuff going on, so. Yeah, well, I think if if Magneto is put in his plastic prison in the mid-season of season two, that's when Mystique could, like, assume the ro- the official role of the leader of the Brotherhood of M- Evil Mutants, yeah. but also that can be the point where Jason doesn't have anyone holding his leash anymore, and he starts like really pursuing Jean. Oh yeah, um, yeah. So that's about like eight seasons, mostly writes itself, probably an hour long. What do you yeah. think? Twenty two episodes. Yeah, twenty two episodes a season, absolutely. Yeah. And what if in because se- we said Sentinels in season three. Yeah, starting in season three. Because okay, it could yeah. so, just be, like, a constant thing that they're dealing with. But what, what we could do is, like, the season three mid-season finale and then the mid-season premiere, those could be Days of Future Past. Yes. Because I feel like we don't want to devote a whole season to it, but we want to give it a little bit of room to breathe. Mm-hmm. And then also we can have Destiny there, because Destiny was a major player in that, and then we can have Mystique, and then, then we can once again have the thing where, like, Mystique turned into a guy, and they're pregnant with Destiny, and that's how we got Rogue and Nightcrawler. Yeah. Because, again... Comics are weird! <laughs> and we wouldn't have it any other way. No. <laughs> um, th- I think also there would definitely be a Wolverine spinoff. Wolverine would get his backdoor pilot in, like, the second season. Yes. I also... I was thinking about casting. I remembered that one... Was it a TikTok post that you sent to me? About no, it was a TikTok post that you sent to me. Okay, I thought you sent it to me. Anyway, a uh, person in it was saying, like, Logan logically should actually be played by a first nations actor yeah <laughs> yeah because he is from cold lake alberta for our non-canadian listeners fuck our non-albertan or prairie listeners cold lake alberta is in buttfuck nowhere alberta <laughs> it's like i think it's a couple hours away from edmonton he's a mountain man yeah and he was born in 18 18- I want to say 1888, and his dad was described as, like, his mother's estate's groundkeeper, which, let's just turn it into a fucking ranch. I'm tired of the use of estate. There's so many rich people in fucking Marvel shit, and it's like, (laughs) let's cut this down a little bit, okay? 
Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. Logan's dad is just a ranch hand on a shitty cattle ranch in Cold Lake back when this was known as the Northwest Territory and Canada was barely a country. Exactly. So his dad would probably be, I think, Soto. Because I know that there's a First Nations reservation there. There's also a Canadian Forces base. Uh, his dad could be from, from there. And then I want to adjust some of his backstory a little bit to be more historically accurate and plausible. So during World War One, he just like goes down to Edmonton and joins up with the Princess Pats. And maybe like when World War Two hits again, he also joins the Princess Pats. And you know he's a veteran of like Vimy Ridge and Passchendaele. And then he. During the Second World War, he's at Ortona, which was known as the Little Stalingrad. Then, I don't know, he winds up in the Devil's Brigade for a little bit, and uh, then he just goes traveling around for a bit. I don't know what sort of trouble he gets in, but he winds up working for Charles Xavier eventually. And this would be after, like, he, he wouldn't find Charles until after the Weapon X situation. Yeah. Yeah, like, I think Weapon X happened to him, like, right after World War II. Yeah. Or even during. Yeah, because if I remember my Marvel lore right, the Weapon X program starts with Steve Rogers. Then there's a couple other people. Then Logan is... He's called Weapon X because he was like the 10th version of that one. Yeah. Also, I had this crazy idea once of like making Logan the Mad Trapper of Rat River, but he died. But I was thinking maybe... Sometime, like, we somehow get to 2009, they do the whole documentary where they dig up the body, do the examinations, and in this universe, it turns out he was a mutant! I like the idea. Can I shift it a little bit? Yes. It's actually Sabretooth. Yes. That makes perfect sense for Sabretooth. Fuck. <laughs> so let's see. We Weapon Zero uh, was just your standard German eugenics. Weapon 1 was Captain America. Weapon 2 created was experiments on animals and created the brute force. Okay. Uh, weapons 4 were various uh, criminals. Oh, a project who ended up creating Man-Thing. Weapon 6 is Luke Cage. Okay. D didn't have any noted results. Weapon 9 was originally supposed to be Deadpool, but it was later Typhoid Mary. Weapon 10 was Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Weapon 11... Doesn't have any official characters, but Rob Liefeld said it was supposed to be Garrison Kane. Okay. You let me open a Wikipedia page for him. And, yeah, he was made by Liefeld. Ugh, is it... No waist, all ass. Oh, God. And shoulders. <laughs> no feet? <laughs> None feet. <laughs> Anyways, I don't want to go through all of these, because it goes up to Weapon 16, then Weapon Infinity, then Weapon Minus, then the American Kaiju. Okay, where's Laura supposed to be in there? Oh, that's a good question. Hang on, let me go back to the page. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if she was officially part of the Weapon X program. I think she was someone else's project. Okay. Okay, yeah, so she wasn't officially part of Weapon X, but her mother, quote-unquote, Sarah Kenny, uh, was part of the Deadpool, which was a bunch of basically failed attempts to recreate... Wolverine that did result in Deadpool. Okay. Oh no, yeah, here she is. X she's listed here as X twenty three. So yeah, she was part of the Deadpool experiments. Okay. So she'd show up in a later season of the Wolverine TV show. Yes. Which then see that that TV show can introduce Deadpool, who then shows back up in X Men when Cable shows up, and then they can kiss. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I I haven't really put much thought into casting otherwise, other than like freeing up some of the characters, like not tying them to a particular look. Yeah. The white people don't have to stay white. Yeah. I do want Colossus to be played by, like, I don't know, a giant USC fighter. Yeah. He's got a tower over whoever we cast as Kitty Pride. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's part of the appeal. Can Gambit be played by someone with a real Cajun accent? Yes. Let's see. Rogue can be played by anyone who can do a good Mississippi accent. Uh, yeah. Storm, let's get a dark skin actress to play her. Yeah. Everyone I mean, everyone's been asking for a dark skin storm since day one. Yeah. Halle Berry was good with the acting. Yeah. But I think even I think even she has said that, you know, going forward they should go for someone with darker skin. Mm-hmm. Um another thing I idea I had, very silly, but 
what if uh, Dazzler shows up and she can be Iceman's beard for a little bit? Yes. Because <laughs> she's, she's, she's the disco mutant. She's powered by gay culture. Yes. Dazzler should also be black because she was originally supposed to be played by Grace Jones. She was supposed to get her own tie-in movie at the same time she was introduced in the comics. Yeah, yeah, because we were trying to capitalize on the disco craze, even though they started running that right as the disco trend was starting to go on the downswing. Yeah. It's all about timing, people. Also, if we're doing our own alternate universe to the MCU version of the Mutants, we can have Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver and Polaris be Magneto's kids. Yeah, well... I honestly, I think I would prefer just sticking with Polaris, uh, okay. mainly because, you know, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch get so much spotlight with the movies. Polaris yeah. was like the, one of the main characters for Gifted, but then of course that ended. I wouldn't mind letting her get her own day in the limelight. Yeah. And we can, we can fold some of the elements of the, the Maximovs into Polaris as well. Like she can be Romani. She, I mean, her dad's Jewish, so obviously she's going to be Jewish. Yeah, we can do all that. Um, I guess, yeah. Um, like any other soap opera, the most of the drama just kind of writes itself. I think going back to Madeline Pryor, like, aside from the whole discovery that she is a mutant, like, I want her to be more of a tragic villain if she goes full villain. Yeah, I think she would definitely have a villain moment, and then Scott saving her would be, like, the redemption because he couldn't save Jean. Yeah. And then that would leave to... That would lead to soap lead to soap opera drama because she'd be like, "Do you just see me as a replacement for your dead ex girlfriend?" Yeah, that's what I was thinking. She's going like, "Do you actually love me, or am I just a, the ghost of Jean Grey?" Which is really awkward because they're probably also co-parenting the two most powerful babies on the planet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fuck. How do you control psychics? <laughs> but yeah. Also, I guess my, just other X Men stuff. I'm trying to remember. Morlocks. They can be in season one. Yeah. We could even have it be like. Either the, Charles already knows about them and they have kind of like a truce going on or the, yeah. like the X-Men meet them, meet them. Yeah. Magneto goes down for a recruitment drive. Yeah. And they, they declare themselves a neutral party. They're like, we're not going to get involved with any of you people. Mm-hmm. That's mutually assured destruction. We just want to survive down here. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know, one of, I, maybe in season five is when we all, we can also introduce Denosha. Magneto yeah. shows up. He's like, I've bought an island. Everyone, come here. <laughs> and Charles is like, are you going to be chill about this? <laughs> Eric just goes, you know me. Eric. Eric, are you going to be chill? You know me. I know you. You tend to be very dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> if you weren't dramatic, you wouldn't be wearing the cape and the helmet. I don't know, if we have to end the series, we could go out with Age of Apocalypse. Oh, that would be a huge thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that might actually be movie-worthy, and we could probably do a better movie than the one that we got. Yeah. Because, again, that was such a waste of Psylocke. I'm just trying to think of ways that we could bring closure to it. It's so hard to bring closure because X-Men doesn't stop. Yeah. It would have to be a distant finale. It have yeah. to be like three episodes worth of a distant finale. Mm-hmm. And like, I think we're on like generation three by that point. Yeah, I think gen- generation three is the one where it's like, these are the last three episodes. We're we're only fighting a few bad guys. Mostly, it's just like rehabilitation and training and stuff. Yeah. And like at the rate we're going, it would probably end in the nineties. Yeah. But maybe like because of this alternate timeline we've created, you know, between all the alien invasions and time travel bullshit and all that, <laughs> the the presence of mutants like the X Men have like helped pr- like cause a lot of progress on the you know mutant rights front. Yeah, mutant rights. It's advanced technology. We got Shield. Like we have the setup for the current MCU, and maybe I don't know. The explanation is that like. It- it's been pretty quiet on the mean front for the past while because yeah well i'm just thinking not, not even worry about tie-in the finale is that like we've we've reached a point where we can we can see a better tomorrow yeah and if anyone tries to take it from us we'll just stay strong together yeah mutant and proud yay nightcrawler becomes the pope <laughs> <laughs> could you imagine that fucking papal election well, it was rigged, you see. 
because the Church of Humanity wanted Nightcrawler to be installed as the Pope and then have everyone at the Mass get incinerated by exploding uh, communion wafers to convince people that the rapture happened. And since Nightcrawler didn't get raptured, that means that he's not a legitimate Pope. The rapture isn't even a Catholic thing. Exactly! They don't care. <sighs> oh my god. But I do, I do think that Nightcrawler should get his theology degree. Yes! I would actually like to see him become a priest. Like, do the full thing. Do it, Nightcrawler. Do it, Kurt, I believe you. I think the actual Church of Humanity would show up. What if, you know, what if we just stuck William Stryker in, in, on, as the leader of the Church of Humanity? Yeah. Oh, they're a more radical offshoot of the Friends of Humanity anti-mutant group, but with a religious discourse similar to the Purifiers followers of Reverend William Stryker. So you know what? Let's just combine the Friends of Humanity, the Church of Humanity, and the Purifiers into yeah. one thing, led yes. by William Stryker. Yes. I am all for that. I am all for streamlining. And we've got muffled Jesus He Knows Me playing in the background whenever he shows up. Yes! <laughs> the members of the Church of Humanity include Supreme Pontiff, uh, General Viker, Mutant 143, and Mr. Clean. Mr. Clean? <laughs> Mr. Clean! Don't do this to... <laughs> To my husband, please. There's no citation or anything. It just says Mr. Clean is a member. <laughs> my man. <laughs> oh yeah, these the Church of Humanity is also responsible for crucifying several X Men on the lawn of the mansion, and then they were revived by Archangel because he has magic blood because he's descended from real angels. Maybe. Again, comics are weird. Comics are weird. Unlike. What Marvel decided to do because the pregnancy of Franklin Richards took too long. We aren't going to be doing the sliding time scale. <laughs> yeah, no, things... If time is wonky, it's because we're explicitly doing a time skip. There yeah. will be a Chiron that says two months later. Mm-hmm. You know, five years, however long you need. Yeah, and it's like, okay, if we fuck up on the math, you know what, nerds? Calm your tits. Yes. <laughs> Anyways... I think that's everything we can think of for uh, X, the X-Men TV show, also known as Xavier Junior High. Yes. Because <laughs> anything is possible. <laughs> Xavier Junior High. Oh, I was thinking Degrassi. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Although, yes, Flying Rhino Junior High is very much in the zone of this as well. Yes. <laughs> Whatever it takes. <laughs> The mutants can make it through. <laughs> oh, who should do the opening song for the series? Um, hmm. Yeah, because that's what I miss from a lot of modern day shows, uh, North American shows, is the lack of like a proper opening sequence. Is it just going to be the the animated theme, but with lyrics? I almost feel like lyrics might take away from the original animated opening sequence. He's got ice powers. She is telepathy. He is retractable claws. X-Men. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. We now go to the children of the friend promo. When the world faces a subterranean threat, only five teens with attitudes can save the day. Gifted mysterious alien technology, Benny. Can we take a second and just focus on how we just caught an actual monster in the first hour of being superheroes? We kick so much tail. Someone high five me. Gwen. Okay, we're doing this. Storm Sentinel and Druid Defender, get those people out of here. Power Paladin, let's make sure Nova Knight doesn't get her head ripped off. Scarlet. Either that, or someone has to tell their parents that Jay has been taken over by alien technology and could possibly be on a murderous trek across the United States in a crazed attempt to reach Area 51 and contact their mothership. Jay. Wait, did did you all have an unexpected encounter of the supernatural or paranormal variety last night? Because this green watch is not an early birthday present. <laughs> 
and Hanuel. A rose, by any other name, still smells as sweet. And with that, I'm gonna go. Because I promised myself to limit my exposure to negative auras and all of you are clouding my day. Must come together and keep Dragon Cove safe from Harbinger. They have just become our priority. We must study them and find the source of their power. Once we find it and make it ours, we end them. And his evil minions, Hira. I wasn't sent here to fight you. I was sent here to break you. And erailed. I have finally cracked the code. My next creation will be... Unstoppable. Follow the action at anchor.fm slash tubular teams. Guardians engage! Oh, by the way, did you know that they're, like, making new seasons of the 90s cartoon for Disney Plus? Cool. Yeah. Like, as much as Disney is an evil corporation, I do appreciate when they do stuff like that. It's, yeah, it's very much love the content to hate the creators. Yeah. Not even hate the creators, hate the corporation. Yeah. The animators did nothing wrong. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Lindsay. Tanner. If I put myself in Cerebro... <laughs> Whereabouts can I find you on the internet? Um, I can be found on Twitter at lindsaym476. That's Lindsay spelled with an A, and you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstart and on Instagram at SparkyYoungUpstart, and you can also find this very podcast on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for not if I reboot you first, and they're pronounced Hyper Viper Beam. <laughs> You can also email us at notifireboutyoufirst at gmail.com or you can send us your comments, critiques, criticisms, and your favorite historical event to insert Wolverine into. Or your favorite space thruple. Yes. <laughs> you could also email us a friendship promo, be an audio clip or a proof for us to read. Either way, we will put in a free ad for your podcast or your YouTube or even your DeviantArt. Not if I reboot you first. It's a member of the Corner Podcast Network, and you can talk more about this show or others on the network via our Corner Podcast Discord. Our cover art, as always, is by Alex, and her work can be found on ptchew.com, and our theme music is done by our friend Sean Clake, and you can contact us to find out how to contact him if you know the music isn't for your own. This podcast is recorded on Treaty 4 Territory, the traditional lands of the Cree, Sotol, Assiniboine, and homeland of the Métis. So, Lindsay. So, Tanner. Next week is a People's Choice. Yay! Yay! And so we are going to be taking a children's CGI space opera and we're going to turn it into an adult's live-action space opera. Cool! And it's only going to have one name, maybe a subtitle. We'll figure it out. Space operas are fun anyway. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, we'll fire up those engines next week, but not if we reboot you first. Bye! You know, James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender have joked enough about having sex with each other on the set of First Glass that I don't know if they were actually joking at this point. <laughs> I want to see that on screen. <laughs> <laughs>